Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music. Tonight's guest produced some of the biggest dance anthems of the early 90s. The tracks and remixes have filled dance floors for 30 years with production credits that include New Order, Blondie, Janet Jackson and Luther Vandross, just to name a few. With various awards, Grammy nominations and a residency at the legendary Cream, we welcome to Dance Masters, Paul and Russ from K-Class. Hello. How are you doing, my friends? Both, it's interesting <laughs> to have a couple of people on the show. We're doing good. I mean, obviously, we've had a very rough 12 months, as, as everybody else has, but um, we're super excited now. There seems to be a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and we just can't wait to get back out there and get performing live again. For our younger listeners, can you give them a snapshot of what K-Class is about? First and foremost, we're clubbers. We've always made music that we'd like to listen to ourselves on the dance floor. We've always been about music with a bit of content, you know, vocals, a bit of a story to the tracks, something that you can take away from the dance floor afterwards and take home with you. I completely get it. And the K-Class sound is very much intertwined with British dance music culture. Would you say that there's one track that defines the K-Class sound? I wouldn't just say it's one, I'd say it's both of them, both Rhythm is a Mystery and Let Me Show You. People just sort of regard them as iconic tracks. I mean, it's quite humbling when people talk to us about those tracks because from a personal point of view, you never realise, you never think as to how big something is. But it's the support, the love that those tracks have got over the years. And to think now, you know, we're talking 30 years about Rhythm is a Mystery and people still love it as much today as he did back then. The first time I heard that track was on the soundtrack to California Man. Yeah, that was crazy. We didn't even know about that, did we, at the time? No. I thought it was sort of like one of the million things that we just signed off on. And then the next thing, we had people messaging us saying, oh, your track's on the soundtrack of a Hollywood film. At the end of the film, if you actually look at the credits, all our names are on the credits yeah. list at the end of the film as yeah. it reels off. So it's, yeah. it's, it's something that's quite nice, actually. That's one accolade that you've had. But have you also had a pinch yourself moment where you thought, I can't believe we've done this or... I can't believe we're working with this artist or appearing on this bill or this show with someone else. Absolutely. I mean, there's been a couple of them. The two that stand out for me, the two big moments, before Rhythm is a Mystery was a hit, we'd been making music for, you know, a good couple of years before then. We used to go to the Hacienda regular every Friday, literally for years and years and years we'd be there. All we ever wanted to do in the first place was make a record that got played in there. We had no interest in pop hits or top of the pops or DJing, or even performing live, really. We just wanted to make a record that got played in the Hacienda, you know, because that, that was like our temple. We were already playing live a lot by now. We knew we'd come up with something pretty good, and we got word that it was being played in the Hacienda and it was going down really well. So the first Saturday night we weren't gigging, we actually headed down for a night out to the Hacienda. We stood on the balcony looking down onto the dance floor about 12.30 at night, just as the place is starting to get going. And you heard like the first Tom Phil on the intro of the track come in. And there's like this, you know, little ripple of appreciation. Then you heard that like arpeggiated synth that comes in next. There's like a bigger wave of anticipation. You could feel the energy of the crowd go up. And then as the piano kicks in at the beginning of it, it was like the only way I could describe it at the time was like somebody throwing petrol on a barbecue, mm -hmm. just absolutely erupted. And like all of us just stood there jaws on the floor looked at each other and said oh my god what have we done <laughs> it still gives me goosebumps now as paul tells the story there i still get goosebumps i can still put myself visually onto that balcony at that, at that moment yeah. yeah for me personally the other moment as well was always being a really big new order fan 
we started doing the odd remix and stuff like that. And it's when you order just signed to London Records, they've got like Paul Oakenfold and Andrew Weatherall and people like that doing remixes on the new material through London Records. We were like, this isn't right. Yeah, they're a northern band. We should be working with them. So I think one Friday afternoon after we'd been to the pub, my daughter <coughs> came back in and just phoned was like, right, who's the head of A&R at London Records? Got the number, phoned us. Oh, you. Why haven't you got us remixing this record? <laughs> this bloke was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> we will do. So we did it on spec, first of all. We did a track called World, which was really well received. In fact, it was so well received, they offered us to do another remix for a track called Ruined in a Day. And they ended up using our mix as the A-side mix for that. It was the moment when we saw New Order performing our mix, playing bass lines that we'd written and stuff like that over their mix on top of the pops. That was like a real wow moment for me because I used to follow them all over the country. I used to be like them little dewy-eyed sycophantic kids stood at the front watching them kind of thing and the next thing they're doing our mix on top of the pops that was like one of the moments when i thought yeah you know this is really going somewhere for us now i remember from a personal point of view if we worked with johnny marr i don't get starstruck really but i was starstruck with johnny marr and and he was such a lovely guy so that's one of my starstruck moments Um, another one was stood with paul at the grammys in la at the staples center and this kid comes and stands literally about a yard away from us. He's so close to where we stood. And Paul and me didn't think nothing of it. Next thing, all these people, so many people, Paul and me are getting pushed out of the way a little bit. It turns out it was Ja Rule. He just stood next to Ja Rule. And like, <laughs> we didn't know who he was. Yeah. He didn't know who we were. We just sat there chatting to the guy. We're really blessed. You know, the whole industry's been really kind to us for a long time now. Just hearing you speak with absolute passion about all of your involvements with everything that you've done, you know, there's an absolute zest for life that you've still got running through. We can tell that just by speaking to you now. And looking at producing your own tracks, which is one element, as you've just touched on, you've done remixes for the likes of New Order. And also there was the Bobby Brown too could play at that game. Is the one remix in particular that you're most proud of? I know what's coming because yeah. Paul will tell you about this. I know what's coming. Yeah. Um, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, for me, Frankie Knuckles and Adiva, what do you want from me? Such big fans of both artists. Mm. To be asked to remix on their tracks was amazing, but we got commissioned to do a remix on that by Virgin. We did it. We were really proud of it. As a piece of music, it's still my favourite thing we've ever done. Um, and then we'd heard that Frankie Knuckles really liked it too. And we met Frankie, went to one of his gigs, and he pulled us to one side and he goes, that remix you guys did for me is my favourite remix anyone's ever done on one of my pieces of music. Yeah, that's it. We can retire now. It gets no higher than this. That's coming from the godfather of house music and you know somebody who is sorely missed and the scene sorely misses to this day. Oh, very much so. And on the same vein, but on the flip, was the one remix that you got involved with which you think, I just wish I hadn't put my name to that? Uh, there is a couple. There is a couple. When we moved studio, there was a reason why we were doing some mixes. We're not going to name anyone in particular, but there was a period where we literally had to bring money in because of costs of building a new studio. Yeah. So. Uh, and the sax man, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we did a couple of mixes that maybe. Yeah, there's we... something that. There's yeah. nothing that I wouldn't. You know, yeah, yeah. We went through a time of doing a lot of like sort of 
dance-edged pop mixes and stuff like that and pop radio edits. And it's just another string to your bow, being able to work on those records, really. Actually, it was, because it's the experience of, as Paul said then, it's working with pop acts, editing tracks and doing all that kind of thing. And I think that still helps us even now, because when we do our DJ sets now, we edit tracks so much before our DJ sets. There's so much pre-production goes into our DJ set. A lot of that comes from the years of learning how to edit and structure, yeah, yeah. and structure songs. You just briefly mentioned that when you DJ, you know, you have edits which help you move forward with other levels of production. Do you actually prefer producing or DJing? It changes from week to week, really. I mean, in the last 12 months, we've had a lot of time to do producing. Yeah. We've had a lot of time to do a lot of things. We've, yeah. got, we've actually got a lot of tracks that are lined up at the moment. Yeah. We've just been having a little flick through on the, on the hard drive as to what we've got. There's a lot of new material that we just need to get finished. Yeah. We've done stuff under different names as well one under the name of cream and then there's another pseudonym coming along which we can't release details of yet which is coming out on a very very influential dance label okay well we'll keep our ears peeled on that um now the world is looking to open up again what is it you're most looking forward to getting a crowd in front of us that first track that you drop that gets a reaction last summer this was only after a gap of three months without playing we did a couple of socially distanced events that were actually really good there was like you know a proper sound system there at a reasonable level and it was just that feeling when the first track dropped rather than stood there staring at a live stream camera you actually got that feedback from the crowd it put a lump in my throat it really did do you know i mean it was emotional so when we actually get back out in front of a proper crowd again you know full on I'll probably just be a blubbering back. <laughs> <laughs> There's been many, many different classical events going on, the Hacienda Classical, the Gatecrasher Classical, and I know that you've been involved with the Cream Classical events. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, I mean, it was an absolutely amazing opportunity. Remember when we saw the very first classical show on TV, the Pete Tong Classical, being totally blown away by that, and then literally a couple of weeks after that finished, couldn't believe it when Cream rang us up and said, look, yeah, we want to do our own show. We want to make it slightly different to that. And you were the guys that would like to get involved, you know, to help us put the show together, curate the tracks and front the show. It was absolutely amazing. Then the location they found for the events was Liverpool Anglican Cathedral, which is like one of the biggest cathedrals in the world. I couldn't believe they'd managed to find it. It's just such an amazing building. An amazing space it takes your breath away just being in there it was like a classical show on steroids we've done like a series of sellout shows there then in 2019 before the pandemic kicked in we moved it forward to doing a big outdoor event in sefton park cream classical in the park so i think there was about thirty-five thousand people at it which was just one of the most incredible experiences ever to be on stage in front of that many then, obviously, the pandemic came along and shut everything down. But literally, you know, this week, Cream have announced um, two 15,000 shows on the waterfront in Liverpool in front of the iconic Liver Buildings, which looks set to be absolutely amazing and is almost certainly going to sell out. So if anyone gets a chance at a ticket of that, snap it up quickly. And the other thing is, obviously, Creamfields sold out. We were doing a Cream Classical show at Creamfields. Don't know. Don't rule it out because I don't think they've even finalised looking at the lineup. But we'll certainly be there doing our DJ set comprising of a lot of Cream Classics. So definitely worth checking out. But like I said, that sold out in minutes really didn't it yeah it did indeed so keep your eyes and ears peeled for more details on future cream classical events indeed do you have a favorite dj of all time 
Oh, again, oh, that changes. That's, 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 that's a hard one. You know, all-time Frankie Knuckles, amazing. UK DJs, YCJ McIntosh was always, always on point. He knew how to make every record sound as good as it possibly mm. could. Content-wise, I would say Laurent Garnier, absolute genius, the way he'd take you on a journey through a set. And technically, Roger Sanchez. To add to that as well, you also find that there are some absolute brilliant resident DJs who literally only play at their venue or at their events at the event of the promoter who's putting it on venues we've turned up at and some of the guys that you think wow what a yeah. great set that is it's a shame really now because obviously the days of the resident DJ are all but over really but resident DJs could make records they could break yeah, yeah. records yeah. develop their own sound give an individual club its own unique soundtrack yeah and all of that's gone now which mm. is a real shame yeah Maybe we should do something together and make a night called residency where it's just you, me, and the caretaker. And, and that's it. Just playing our favourite records. Sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, it does indeed. It does. That's the thing, though, James. It's like, that's what places need. Something that's a regular night where they know what they're going to get. Unfortunately, regular nights need regular venues. And after yeah. what's happened in the past 12 months, I fear that there's going to be very few of them left when things finally get going again. You know, everything is just becoming more and more one-off event-based, which isn't a bad thing because, again, you know, we've been involved in and are set to be involved in some absolutely incredible events, especially with Cream. Going from your favourite DJs, is there someone coming up through the ranks you've got your eye on? We just tend to get exposed to the same people yeah, yeah. over and over again, which is a shame, really. A lot of the younger talents and you know, sort of newer people coming through really struggle to sort of make headway these days, which is a shame. So really, we, yeah, we only sort of tend to come into contact with the same people over yeah. and over. At this point in the show, we ask our guests, what's in your box? So is there a signature record or a go-to track that defines your sound? Let me show you. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I don't know, you know, if you're talking about an all-time sort of thing, you know, something that's defined the K-Class or something that's certainly influenced the K-Class thing, some of the big Knuckles and Morales mixes, things like Alice in Limerick, where Love Lives is just the blueprint for a lot of K-Class tracks. Yeah, you can wear three stripes with that one because uh, that's got to be my my number one all-time favourite. And what would you say was the first record that you ever bought? And that goes to both of you. Ever. I'll let, I'll let Russ ever. Go. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, and I want to know the first record ever, and it doesn't matter if it was seven inch. No, no, it, it, it was seven inch, and do you know what? I'm not trying to be cool here, but I actually think it was the Buzzcocks ever fallen in love with someone, and do you know what really upset me? I was stupid enough to swap that record, and I, I love that record. I still love it now. What did you swap it for? Tubeway Army, our friends Electric. Oh, I can't argue with that. Okay. <laughs> Wish mine was as cool as that. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything else for that. That yeah. is the battle mm. first. I'd like to say mine was something like Kraftwerk Trans Europe Express, but unfortunately it was um, the Baron Knight's Night Gallery. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> the comedy record that I think I got bought for Christmas when I was a kid. Uh, probably the first things I remember actually going out and buying. You know, with my own money with things like Blondie and stuff like that, you know, being sort of really influenced by and the Stranglers. It wasn't really in the town where we came from, which was Chester, there wasn't really a lot of dance music to be influenced by at the time yeah. you know, where, where we were brought up. 
the dance music thing came later with us through nights out in Manchester and trying to find something different than what was going on in our own town. And do you have a secret guilty pleasure track? Depends what you call guilty pleasure. I mean, what's the name? I love listening to the composition of like ABBA tracks and stuff like that, you know, but I wouldn't even say that was a guilty pleasure because it's, you know, a lot of it's just musical genius and production genius. But that's probably as far as I'd go down that line. We've all got vinyl collections at home. Do you have one piece of treasured vinyl that you just would never get rid of? Yes. Mine is, probably sounds daft this, but it's Wild Times by Delight. The and, Derek May mix. Yeah, the Derek May mix, because I remember going into Eastern Block when I, I was after it and finding it. You know, when you search through for tracks, kids nowadays won't understand this, but you used to go to a record shop and you'd be searching through the sleeves, the empty sleeves, trying to find. I remember finding it and... I swear, it's 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 apart from my children being born, it's the happiest moment of my life. <laughs> I think that um, mine was a record, actually, a track by Street Level Funk called um, "Show Me What You've Got" on Warriors Dance, and it was something that used to get played. It's like you know, quite an obscure track, but it used to get played, and the dub used to get played at the Hacienda. It took me absolutely months to find out what this track actually was. And then even more months to actually locate a copy and buy it. So, yeah, that's something that, that I really treasure. And from old school vinyl to new school, are there any new tunes on your radar that we should be watching out for? There's a track by Youssef at the moment called Super, which is absolutely massive. Yeah, Paul, Paul played it me the other day and mm. I was like, Whoa. Big, big piano track, which <laughs> we've just done a little bit of a cheeky edit and stuck a vocal over the top of as well for our sets. I'll have to keep an eye out for that one. Paul, Ross, thank you very much for joining us on Dance Masters. Cheers, James. Cheers, nice James. To you. So if you've liked what you've heard and you fancy adding some tunes into the mix, check out the full two-hour show with an exclusive mix from tonight's guest at Union Jack Dance. .co.uk. Joining us on the next episode is UK dance music legend Danny Rampling and we'll be chatting to him about his Love Groove dance party shows as well as his biggest accolades to date. Thanks for listening. Join us back here next Friday on Dance Masters and don't forget to hit the link to subscribe. Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music.